Amen. 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 You may be seated if you're not already. Well, good morning, everyone. It is great to be in the Lord's house, and uh, it is. And I, again, I hope and pray for those quickly who are not able to join us that that will happen soon. I want to read a quote from our Renovation of the Heart. I know many of you are not doing it, or many of you are. Many of you are not able to or haven't taken that on, which is okay. But I want to read a quote from this week's reading. And Dr. Dan's going to love it, but uh, and it's this. The practical center of proper care for the body is Sabbath. Sabbath is inseparable from worship. And indeed, genuine, genuine worship is Sabbath. When we come to the place where we could, call, could joyously do no work. Now, some of you joyously do that, and I, I get that. I mean, <laughs> it's called laziness. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but no, when you come to the place where you could joyously do no work, it will be because God has become so exalted in our mind and body that we can trust him with our lives and our world and take our hands off of them. Joyously, joyously, can you say it now? Rest is what it is. To do no work. That God has become so exalted in our mind and body that we can trust him with our lives and our world. Something I needed to hear, maybe you didn't, but it is something I'm trying to work through is knowing how to rest again and give God, say, God, this is not mine. None of this is mine. I'm a steward. You've given it to me to oversee it, but it's not mine, and i got to figure out more and more how to do that, and I'm asking the Lord to show me that, and sometimes laying on your back in a, in a bed or in a recliner has a way of doing that for you. I don't know about you guys, but it does for me in reminding me that I never really had control of any of this. But I get to be a part of this. And, and so today, it really is not specifically about Sabbath by no means. And I'll mention maybe more of that next week. But it's about trusting. And as I was reading this time that I've had away a little bit, trying to read when my head wasn't hurting and those kind of things, trying to absorb and especially daily trying to be in the Word and trying to read through Scripture, uh, I the one I'm doing right now is through you know, Scripture in a year and, and trying towards the and, and Acts and Romans this week. And, and just reminded in Romans chapter 5 is where we're going to land today. And then I'll come back to that quote about being able to take our hands off of it and trusting. But have you ever been in a relationship, before I read that Scripture out of Romans chapter 5 that we'll get to in just a moment, if you want to turn there or, or get your device there, have you ever had a relationship where it's been frayed, strained, and you know it's 100% on you? It's not like, well, I can, it was because they did this or this. No, you know for a fact it was 100% you. If you look at it honestly and you break it down, you know that it's not, we're not just talking about a casual relationship, but a deep, meaningful relationship that, again, you know you caused it to be in trouble. Now, for some, that you might not care that you caused it, and you just move on. But if you really stop and you really begin to process, you go, man, alive, I, I, I don't want to be 
separated like this. And so we're going to read today out of Romans chapter 5, 1 through 11. It's good news. Uh, I hope you will take it that way. Uh, because I, I, as I read that this week, it just said, okay, Lord, let, let me process this out. Because mo- mo- many times in my devotional time, I don't necessarily bring it to, to uh, sermons. Sometimes I do. And so uh, we will see how this goes today. But Romans chapter 5, 1 through 11, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ from whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. It's interesting there. Without character, there's no hope. Now, just, just let that settle in. Without character, there is no hope. We're, talking about, we're going to talk about a relationship here today. And hope does, hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were all still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely would anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we now have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies... We were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Reconciliation. Restoration. There is a huge difference between reconciliation and a truce. It's different than we just saying, well, we will just have to agree to what? Disagree. I tried. I told him I was sorry. What else can I do? Now, reconciliation, we're talking about a desire from both parties. We're talking about a desire from both parties for the relationship to be right. Willing to fight for it. Willing to sacrifice for it. You will do what it takes for that relationship to be reconciled. God's grace, as we've read today, has the potential for reconciliation for each of us. But although... although God. Although God looks at us, as Scripture says here, as enemies, yet he reconciles us to himself. And he's done it by one decisive act, and that is Christ on the cross and his resurrection. That's it, folks. If you're looking for other options, there is no other option. It's through Christ on the cross and him being raised from the dead. 
But here's the deal. And the paradox here, I guess, is it's provisionally and potentially we all have the option to be reconciled to God. But man remains an enemy of God until he accepts the reconciliation which is offered. Jesus Christ. Now this seems like a simple message. But I think it's pretty simple. I don't know how it's you. Sometimes I get too many options and it's hard for me to make a decision. Well, there's one option. <laughs> okay. The reason why I'm trying to simplify this because there's one option. John 1.12 says, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We as Wesleyans, and I'm not trying to raise this over anybody, that's not my point of this, but I'll tell you one reason I am a Wesleyan by my, my, my theology is, is because we believe that offer of grace was made to every man and woman, to every boy and girl, to every person who's walked the face of this earth. They have that. And as I was reading, as I said, I was reading in Acts this week and also obviously sharing with you out of Romans. And I know I've read this many times and, and, and I don't know if I've ever really preached on it, but I read Paul uh, again in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. It's, but my life is worth nothing to me unless, unless I use it for finishing the work assigned, assigned me by the Lord Jesus Christ, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. I, I read that and I read it again and, and I thought, man, I remember when I first got saved 30-something years ago, I was telling everybody. You, you, you didn't give me a crack. You, you didn't, I don't mean like the drug, okay, that either, but you didn't give me a space. You didn't give me a point because I'm telling you, I'm diving all in. I'm coming in. And I was a little overbearing like I've told you before. I, I really, my, my theology was pretty terrible, but the power God had put in me was enough. And all I knew it was Jesus that had transformed my life. I couldn't help myself but tell about what I'd seen and heard and then quoting Peter and John and, and Acts. Well, what happens over time? Er McManus would say we go from barbarian to civilized. We become civilized Christians. We just kind of don't want to cause any you know, waves. We don't want to cause, people will think we're this. Paul says, my life is nothing. Unless I tell you about the good news. Unless that's part of it. And I appreciate Dr. Dan Thursology this week reminding me that it is going, you may not see it around you, you may not see it in America, like, but around the world, uh, I think Dr. Dan said there was 10,000 people an hour converting to Christ, coming to Christ as their Savior. 10,000 an hour, almost a quarter million a day, three times the birth rate. Now think about that, coming to Christ, 10,000 an hour. And the tricky part for us is versus other religions that you may say, well, they're growing faster. 
we can only grow by conversion. You don't grow, you don't, you're not born into a Christian family and now you're a Christian. I've had people ask me before, you know, so why do you guys, you know, always trying to convert somebody? That's the only way you can get in. I don't know what else to say. It's the only way we get in. It's not by osmosis. It's not by birthright. birthright. It's a personal decision. But after that, one of my decisions needs to be, my life is nothing. Unless I'm telling the people about the good news. About the wonderful grace of God. That they've been reconciled. And I realize there's times you have to help people realize they're lost before they can be found. Right? Some people don't even know they're lost. But if I was going to tell people, I just want to share a few things out of this that maybe will help you about reconciliation. Obviously, given the fact that we understand repentance and and forgiveness has already happened here, I'm not going to speak on that. That's I mean, not that we all understand all of that, but I'm just saying that. But these four, I think I find in Scripture here, and I hope it's helpful to you. But I also would say you could apply it to relationships in your life too, but especially though, especially our relationship with God. Because because for me, I've been a Christian 30, almost 35 years. It leaks if you're not careful. And I talked about it many weeks ago, vision leak. What you know that you know leaks. What you know you've experienced. What you, it leaks if you're not careful. Romans chapter 5, 1 and 2. I'm going to read it out of, of, the, of the message if we've got that up there. By entering through faith into what God has always wanted to do for us, Set us right with him. Make us fit for him. We have it all together with God because our master Jesus. And that's not all. I love that. And that's not all. We throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment he has already thrown open his doors to us. We find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand. Out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting our praise. The first thing about reconciliation, I believe, is peace. There's peace. By entering, and I'm going to re- repeat this, by entering through faith into what God has always wanted to do for us, set us right with him, make us fit for him. We have it all together with God because of our master, Jesus. God has always wanted to do this. When we come to Christ, it's a restored relationship with the Heavenly Father. Most of you already know that. But I want to say this, this peace we're talking about is more than an inner calmness. Paul is saying that the hostilities between two enemies stop. They stop. Because it's more than the yelling stopping like in a home. It's more than spewing words at each other that, so you can cut them a little deeper if it's in a relationship. It, it's more than that. It's the fact 
that you enjoy the relationship because you know there is not a chance of an explosive situation. It's over. Not the fact that it hasn't happened in a while. And down in your gut, you know it's going to happen. Anybody ever been in those relationships? Or you know it's happened? Okay, but it hadn't happened in a while. But you know somewhere down in your whatever, your inner whatever, it's going to happen again. You just don't know when. No, 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 that's not what we're talking about. I'm going to use a little bit of my South Arkansas here. This is the type of this ain't happening again kind of piece. It's over. Jesus paid it all. It's over. Now, one of the things I think is interesting for me after 35 years, sometimes I have to be reminding that I'm no longer warring with God. Holy Spirit conviction, yes, bring it on. An awakening or drawing of the Spirit to, for me to deal with my self-centered self Please don't stop. But my warring with God is no longer because when I, have, when I rely on him for my salvation, I have peace that we cannot understand. I love this passage of Scripture. It's out of the New Living Translation, the way they say the verses 10 and 11. I know I'm jumping around in translations, but sometimes it just, it's all of it's, Consistent, but sometimes it's like, man, that just says it a different way, and I'd read it a little different way, right? But the New Living Translation says, For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now, we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. I got an I, I acquaintance, a, a good friend of mine, who says, he says, my number one goal in life is just to be a good friend to Jesus. I just want to know that I'm, I, I'm doing everything I can to be the best friend with him. In the world, especially over COVID and all the other things, and I can get into even personally how I've kind of went into isolation for a lot of other reasons, but man alive, one of the things is, friends, I don't know how much isolation you've been in, but do not ever feel like you're isolated from the friend of friends. Lean into that friend. But I also want to remind you, the war in between us and God stops. But I'm not saying the war is over. It's just not between us and God anymore. Second thing I would say, first is peace. Second thing I would say is access. We throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment he has already thrown open his doors to us. I really don't believe you can have a real deep relationship or really reconciliation until there is access, and that is what Jesus brought us. I don't know, again, if there are times that you just never really process it out that yes, when Jesus died on the cross, we were pardoned from our sins. And that's it's nothing, nothing to compare to that. But there's more. That's the part I think we miss sometimes. We're pardoned. We're, 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 you know, we now have accepted him as our Savior. But there's more. 
We have been introduced. It's like saying, Mr. President, this is Kurt Gentry. Nice to meet you. you know, that, that's more than that, man. We have been introduced and brought into accessibility to the creator of the universe. I don't know if I sit and think about that enough. I have access. Ephesians 3 says, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Hebrews 4, 16, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. In your time of need, approach the throne with confidence. And I love the other word here for access here as I was studying this, the translation, it is a formal introduction where it's like you're brought into the Oval Office, you're brought into the the Holy of Holies or or however you want to say it. And the Jews would have heard this knowing, are you kidding me? We've been making sacrifice, we've been sending sending priests inside to the Holy of Holies. They would have been blown away when they hear the fact that I personally don't have to go through anybody else. That I have access? But the other translation, which I'm not, I'm not going to try to force it in there, for the word here is a safe harbor or shelter. It's almost like, you know, they, they, you know I don't know enough about it, all, all, you know, on being on the ocean or wherever, but it's a place where you kind of tuck the ships in. We're safe. So accessibility is more than just introduction. It's a shelter. It's a safe place. Now think about your salvation and coming to Christ. One piece. The fighting's over. The warring's over between you and God. But now you have access. And I look at this and I go, So many times we think we've messed up, and I'll talk about that in just a minute. We've messed up, and maybe we don't have that same access anymore. When I read 1 Timothy 1.14, I won't read It's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. I can preach out of it, but I won't go to, to all that, that, the whole deal there. But I love what Paul says. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. It's almost like God doesn't just give us a little bit of grace. He doesn't just go, well, if you'll do a little better, I'll give you more grace. You know, no, God pours out his grace abundantly. Because Paul says, while I was a blasphemer, a, mur- a, a, a persecutor, and a violent man, God poured out his grace on us. It's like I, I think about the Gatorade bath, but way more at the end of a ball game. That God poured out his grace. He didn't just happen to be talking and spit a little on you like I'm doing right now. No, it's not just a little sprinkle. You've received it. You know, I think about my kids. I'll say all four of my kids, none of them, they, they know I don't love one more than I love the other. And I've tried over the years to be accessible. But you know, it's more than just having access. I hope my kids have found over the years it's a safe place. Oh, yeah, they've done things wrong here and there. It is a little harder maybe to walk in. I get that. 
but we have access. The third thing is, in this understanding of where we walk with Christ, one, we have peace. We're no longer at war. More than just calmness, but we have no, we're no longer at war with God. We have access. We've been brought into the presence and the safe harbor, if you will. But the scripture out of the message says we find ourselves standing where we always hope we might stand. Out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory and shouting praise. The third thing I says, you know where you stand. See, when you know where you stand, have you ever been in a relationship where you didn't know where you stood? It's not much of a relationship. It's an acquaintance, and it may be considered a relationship by culture, but it's a terrible place to be where you just don't know where you stand. And when you don't know where you stand, you also don't really know how to act sometimes. You don't know how to respond in a situation. Paul talks about it, and if you wanted to go down that route, because we, we're still at war, not with God, but talks about it in Ephesians chapter 6. I think it's five or six times he talks about stand. Over and over, just go stand. You need to know where you stand. You've got to take a stand. And for some of us along the way, we have these little voices of doubt that come and assault us. And when they do and they shake, they, they, they hit us hard, we become very vulnerable and on shaky ground. And I, no doubt, Paul, as he writes, I see it over and over, that he understands that our old patterns of unrighteous behavior have a tendency to pop back up along the way. And all of a sudden there's doubt. Where do I stand? Have you ever been surprised or ashamed at something you did or didn't do or something crosses your mind that you can't believe just crossed your mind and you've been walking with Christ for a long, 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 long time? Or maybe not a long time. You thought you were way past some of those things. But I, as your pastor, and I want to tell you that you need to remember where you stand. Bring it back. Dr. Dan said last week as he talked about David. David, yes, he knew he messed up, but immediately, <laughs> immediately came back. Forgiveness and repentance. This is where I stand, enemy. I know I, I, know I messed up there, but I stand here. I mean, I have times, I, I think I've shared this with you before many times probably, but some of you may have heard that years ago, Jan and I were on our way to Palm Springs and stopped at a rest stop out at, out at uh, I-10. I think it's closed now because we had to close so many of them back in, you know, 07, 08, 09. And, but this is before then, so it goes a few years back. But I had been in a, a schedule in my life that was so busy, so crazy, the hours and everything. Everybody, you know, people have their own story. That's where mine was. And, we were going to Palm Springs for four or five days, and I could not wait to get away, and I didn't want to deal with anybody, period, anybody. I go into a rest stop. I see a gentleman in a wheelchair, 
uh, over at the sink, kind of in, in the way they have it, that rest stop, it's kind of where you could uh, petition it off at times. So there's a, pretty large. So there's a half and then there's another half where both halves were open. And uh, so I could see him over there. And I could see he's having some trouble. Uh, maybe, I don't know if he's trying to wash his hand. I didn't know really what he was doing. But he and I were the only two in there. I knew that. Well, I took care of what I needed to take care of. I washed my hands, and I was walking out. And he goes, sir, could you help me? And I heard him clear as everything. And I kept walking. Sir, could you help me? I just kept walking. And grabbed the door, went out and got in the car. We started going down the, the parking lot there to, to merge back onto I-10. And I whipped the car back around. Jane goes, what are you doing? I said, I think I just left Jesus in the bathroom. And I just kept, when I got back there, I was just praying, Lord, don't let anybody else help him. Please don't let anybody else help him. Please don't let anybody else help him. I could not believe in that moment that I had, I knew, and you know, those people who know me, I, I mean, from Handicap Outreach for Christ, I used to work, you know, through Bob Wiggers and just a tremendous ministry there. And I knew, I, I mean, I just, just, I just couldn't believe it. But I did it. And thank goodness the Lord let nobody else, no, nobody else helped him by the time I got back there. And uh, what was, his problem was he had not been actually in that position very long. He had kind of found out he had got hurt on a hike and didn't know if it was permanent or not. But he was trying to get his pants up. And every time he did, he'd fall back down. And then it was just, he said, sir, can you just put your hand on my back just for a moment so I can pull my pants up? And he's like, I said, yes, sir, I can. And I introduced myself. And I told him, and his name is Jesse, and I told him, I said, Jesse, he said, thank you so much. You're so kind to help me. I said, Jesse, honestly, it's not on me. It's on Jesus <laughs> that he wouldn't let me, he wouldn't let me go. He goes, oh, my precious Jesus. Oh, my. So he and I sat there and talked. Finally came out, and his wife's going, I thought you fell in in there. How come it took you so long to get back in? <laughs> because, but in that moment, in that moment, I could not believe that was Kurt Gentry who just did that. But I had to be reminded, and I hope quickly, where I stand. In moments of doubt, I'm going to read this. By faith, we have trusted God for our salvation, and he credited our faith as righteousness have to remember that yes we are still human and we will mess up but quickly do not let the enemy question where you stand you have access to the creator of the universe and he knows it the power that you have access to he knows it I have to remind myself know where you stand Kurt And the last one is hope. We have this great hope. And I realize right now some of you are going through unbelievable difficult times from various reasons, from health to finances to maybe too many finances. And it's, it's you're too, not necessarily obsessed, stressed, stressed by it or anxious. But in any great relationship, there has to be this overwhelming hope. 
that our present is not our permanent always. That this life is one life, yes, and it's the only shot we got. But it's like a mist. James says it's here today, going tomorrow. There's more to this. And I don't understand it all. And Dr. Dance talked about it. One of the bad things happened. And, well, and you can go listen to that. I, I, I don't understand it all. But as I was talking to someone this week, I'm reminded often of Jesus and Peter's conversation, actually with the disciples, I guess, but Peter responded in John chapter 6, where Scripture says many of the disciples had left Jesus. And Jesus turned to the twelve. And he says, do you want to leave too? This is the deal. This is what it's, yes, there's going to be, he didn't say it fully, there's going to be suffering. There's going to be these things. There's going to be these and Peter's answer was, Jesus, where would we go? You're the Holy One of God. Where would I go? Sometimes I just need to be reminded of that. But there's this great hope. And I've said this often about being born again. Not only is there peace, and obviously we talked about today is our access and there's knowing where you stand in the scheme of this divine drama, but you're standing on God and you're not standing on shaky ground. You're standing on solid rock. But you have this great hope of a life more abundantly, more than you can ask or imagine. And it may not always come out and turn out the way you think it's going to. But if you just look, I've tried this week because I'll be honest with you, my head's been down a little bit just trying to get through some fog of the last many weeks and sometimes months. But I'm just asking God to show me his fingerprints a little more, to see a little more, to see people a little different. You know, because we talk about reconciliation. We can talk about in Corinthians, I think it's chapter 5. I won't read it here. If you're a believer, Scripture says that Christ's love compels us. That we begin the ministry of reconciliation. You. So how does God do this now? How does he work this thing out? Through us. When you come to Christ, it's more than getting your sins pardoned, which is awesome. You have access, and the reason why you have such great access is he's also going to begin to use you. Because you're going to need that, and you're going to need that access to that power and knowing where you stand and knowing that even people will say sometimes, hey, I thought you were a Christian. Why did you do that? Well, you've got to get yourself back you know, to, 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 to plumb line, if you will, and uh, go, well, I'm sorry, or you do got to do what you've got to do to reconcile if they're willing to. But again, reconciliation really comes from both parties, Right? You can ask for forgiveness, and you can do all the things, but reconciliation is people are willing to fight for it. People are willing to sacrifice for it. People are willing to make this happen, and that's the reason why we, on our end of it, are representation, or we are ambassadors, if you will, of this great call that Paul talks about. 
But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. And I'm reminded as I read the renovation of the heart this week again, we can talk about Sabbath, a little more about rest in my own life. But one of the things is I've got to realize I am not in control of all this, but I am supposed to be being used. And sometimes suffering is part of that. But I just pray for us as a church and as a body that one, knowing Christ as your Savior, there are no other options, in my opinion. <laughs> There's options, sure. We all have options. But to this life, and to a life eternal that's unexplainable and actually unimaginable, I think. Sometimes I think it's hard to sell that because it's almost beyond imagination. But to walk through this life, knowing you have this great calling, each of us, to walk in such a way that you're no longer warring with God. That you, wherever you are, in your car or on a mountainside or in your backyard or wherever that is, you have access. And not just simple introduction, hey, I'm calling up God, can I get in? Yeah, yeah week from Wednesday, No. That's a phone, just so you know. I don't even know what that is. Hang loose. I don't know what I do. It's immediate. Continuous. To be able to walk when the enemy comes to whisper or the doubts come or you mess up, to know that you can say, I stand here quickly. Get back to there. And to have a great hope, and I think we're in a culture right now I think we as believers, my goodness, folks, uh, there's just so much uncertainty. We've got to be a beacon of hope. We've got to be a beacon of hope. And I'm not telling you right now, I've been all that. I just know that that's what I'm called to be because that's the part of the conduit or the channel that God uses for people to go. Instead of the other way going, well, yeah, I thought you were a Christian. Why did you do that? And you're going, instead of the other way going, I don't know what you are and what's different about you. I don't know why you have hope in the middle of all this messed up confusion but boy I'd sure like to know more about it won't you stand with me Lord we come before you today knowing that this dilemma that we all individually face because it's a choice. It's our free will. That while we were still enemies, while we were still sinners, you died for us, Lord. But it, it is up to us in this sense, Lord. As your grace draws us, your provenient grace pulls us in to say, I surrender. Lord, I just wonder if every head had bowed today 
if someone's at that doorstep. I think I've never done that before. I get it, I've been around, but I want to know that peace that I'm no longer warring. I want to know that I have access to the creator of the universe, that there's a, that there's a safe harbor. That I can go through this life whether I'm walking in righteousness at, at its fullest uh, speed or I stumble. I know where I stand. And Lord, I want today to have this great hope, not only for my life, but I can be a shining light to those around me. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior today, with every head bowed, and you would want to do that today, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. Thank you. Today, if you're here and Today was more of a message just saying, okay, I, I needed some anchor points because it's been a little shaky. I hope and pray this has been beneficial today, Lord. Because, Lord, we know that it's more than just getting in and getting to heaven or you'd already taken us on. But it is being transformed into your likeness to be a conduit, an ambassador of this great reconciliation that you've given us. Lord, I pray over our people, not only in here, but across the city, around the country, maybe listening in today, Lord. Lord, I just pray that you give them that power that we've sang about today. Maybe for some, they need to take back ground that the enemy has taken, Lord, but that only happens not on our own power, but by your power. So today, Lord, I've been reminded, even this week, listening someone speak on this stage, palms up, open to whatever, Lord, you have in store. It's yours. It's offered to you, my life. Do with it as you will. Lord, those are big words. I know. We pray that today, Lord. Lord, again, we pray over those who need physical healing right now. You're on our minds if you're listening right now. Even if you're not, you're still on our minds. Deep in our hearts. Praying for God's healing touch. Lord, for finances, for jobs relationships especially we talk about today Lord we talk about a great inheritance Lord and some of us may never leave any funds to any of our kinfolk but man alive can we leave a great inheritance Lord I pray that over our folks today in your name Jesus we love you Lord and it's in the powerful name we pray Amen 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 God bless you guys thank you for being here today and go have an uncommon week in his name. Bless